Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see him for who he is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hey everyone, welcome to the B4 Podcast. My name is Alex. And I'm Ashley. And together we're the hosts of this podcast and we are introducing someone on our staff today. He's our middle school pastor. His name is David Beavis. Hello. I am so stoked to be here. We are so stoked to have you. (laughs) Although stoked, that sounds like a middle school word. That's not one we usually use. And that's precisely why he's here on (laughs) the podcast today. We're not cool. You know, be all things to all people. That's (laughs) my philosophy. Oh man, I do not miss my middle school years at all. Oh no. I was the definition of what you call a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. And then I grew like six inches in one year and I couldn't put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> yes. Those are tough times, man. Yes, they they are. I, I, I mean, my middle school crush, I saw her and <laughs> I the only thing I cared about was basketball. So I saw her and thought, I'm going to strike up a conversation. Obviously, I'm going to talk about basketball. I don't even think she even know, you know, cares about basketball. So I she should, didn't even know what basketball yeah, was. Yeah, and so I was like, hey, uh, so um, do, uh, do you like basketball? I like basketball. I walked away. <laughs> wow. Didn't even wait for a response. It was great. Wow. I'm uh, sure that good, relationship yeah. went well. I said, yeah. It's good that the peak of your flirting game did not get hit, you know, in middle in school. Middle school. It, it improved slightly. <laughs> I mean, slightly enough. Well, you are married. Enough, I, I yeah, am married. Yeah. So, I mean, it improved enough. Enough to yes. trick her. And then, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> if you don't know, David Beavis is married to Laura Beavis, who yeah. works in our kids' department. Honestly, we, we invited you in for a lot of reasons. One is to introduce you to the church. Um, if you've been at our church for a few years, you've had the chance to listen to David preach once. Um, and uh, you may have had a chance to meet him, especially if you have a middle schooler or a we high schooler. We hope you've met or, him if you have a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be really important. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, uh, David is a great mind. He's got a great heart. It's a unique person to be called to serve middle schoolers. That's where some of our joking comes from. You know. Yes, very unique. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I fit that mold, but yeah. we're, hey, we're here. And uh, you do such a great job. You do such a great job. And I think we just wanted to take some time to learn about the younger generation, the world that they're facing, to hear a little bit about your heart and also the heart of our youth ministry here at the church too. Yeah, because we've been talking, having these conversations about grace and truth. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that in our conversation with Brad that we talked about a little bit was kind of the relational implications of that. And I think we often have some tensions, particularly between generations. And the youngest generation that's coming up is always getting the brunt of all of those jokes. Although as Alex and I were joking, we're now in the sandwich as millennials. millennials, That people are both hating down on us and hating up on us. Um, But right now, Gen Z is on the bottom. Um, So we'd like to learn from you a little bit more about Gen Z and hopefully that can help us to have a little more grace and truth Mm -hmm. in our relationships with younger people. Yeah, of course. And I'm super excited to talk about this. I don't claim to be the the pinnacle of human potential (laughs) when it comes to expertise on Gen Z. But in doing some reading and interaction with middle schoolers uh, and all of the awkwardness in between, you know, there there's some key things that I'm super excited to talk about, and I, yeah, hope we can learn together about. Yeah, 
So easy question maybe to start off of. So when we're talking Mm -hmm. about Gen Z, every, I mean, I know there's different calculations for different generations, but generally like what's kind of the birth years for Gen Z? Who are we talking about? Yeah. So I've heard, so the Barna study says it's 1999 to 2015. I've heard Predominantly, it's 1995 to okay. 2012. Okay, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's the that's the years that we're identifying as Gen Z. Wow. So these kids have grown up with the internet. Yes, that's probably the most distinctive thing that like first stands out to me. It's mm-hmm. like, oh wow, they don't even remember a land without. Yeah, they probably don't remember AOL, yes. the dial-up, and <laughs> yes. AIM, and all My that. My 65 foot telephone cord that I drug <laughs> through my mm-hmm. house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are the days. Yeah. And, and the fascinating thing is, this is the largest generation we have seen. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, if you want to know why this is important to talk about and learn about Gen Z, this is the largest generation. They yeah. are going to have a massive amount of influence in the next few years. They already have a massive amount of mm-hmm. influence. Because, that is true. Yeah. They, you have influencers who are Gen Z. Okay, so hold on. The term influencers for a lot of people here, uh, it it may mean something differently than it means to the gen, the younger generations. What yeah. is an influencer? What does it take to be one? Yeah, influencer, that is, you know, if, if you have a social media <laughs> and you have a certain amount of followers, I don't know what that is, yeah. and you are getting you know, it, because of this platform, you're getting paid mm-hmm. to, you know, I don't know, advertise things or you're just paid because you have a platform. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's an influencer. So you could be known for a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. you just have to have X number of followers yeah. and be paid. Yes. And then congratulations, yeah. you're an influencer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. So these, these young adults to, honestly, if it's 95, 99 to 2015, that's young 20-somethings mm-hmm. all the way down to my oldest daughter, Scarlett. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they are living in a world where uh, regardless of the knowledge that they have or the experience that they have, they have accessibility to other people and they're, it's being monetized. Mm-hmm. It's being used. It's, and so I can't help but think and ask the question, does that change the way they think they should interact with the world? Yes. You know, the fascinating thing about Gen Z is they are an incredibly career-driven generation. Really? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. What does that mean? Like to be a career-driven generation? For example, there's a study done by Barna that uh, when asking Gen Z mm-hmm. uh, what their hope for in life, their definition of success is, it is uh, financial success and uh, and career success. Those mm-hmm. are like the Those are the top things. That's really interesting. You know, you've mentioned Barna a couple of times and just in case anyone's not Mm -hmm. familiar with Barna, what is it? It's a a Christian research group that does a lot of um, studies around like what's going on in culture. And uh, so a lot of what I've, uh, what I'm going to be talking about today, it comes from a couple of really significant Barna studies on Gen Z. So if any of you who are listening are fascinated to go deeper, please connect with me and I would love to yeah. point you towards some uh, yeah. some resources and particularly from from Barna. Yeah, and we can add some of those to the show notes yeah, as well, we'll sure for any of you. You can mm-hmm. links to get um, connected to that stuff. So being a career-driven, a financially financial security-driven generation, what does that look like to pastor a bunch of, you know, 13, 14-year-olds that are thinking about changing the world? 
Yes. Because I was not thinking about that when I was 13 or 14 years old. That's probably one of the big differences, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's actually a really cool gospel opportunity here because uh, the if our definition of of the gospel is simply, hey, this is just something to believe in order to go to heaven when you die, and that's it, it has no relevance for your day-to-day life, we're going to lose Gen Z so quick because what they're after is a faith that that has implications to their day-to-day life right here, right now. What good is a faith? What good is the gospel when we don't care about the planet, when we don't care about the poor, when we don't care about systemic racism? What good is the gospel? And and we believe that the gospel has, has deep implications for those things. I mean, yeah. you know, we believe in a God who is on a mission to make all things right in the world. And as followers of Jesus, we're invited into partaking in that mission. So the gospel opportunity for Gen Z is, hey, you are invited to join God mm-hmm. in his healing work in the world. Yeah. So you caring about the planet, God, the creator cares about the planet. And yeah. that's a good thing. If you have a passion for caring for the, the poor, the marginalized, hey, guess what? Mm-hmm. You are in good company because God cares about the poor and the marginalized more than we give him credit for. Yeah. And uh, you can connect your passion, your your vocation, to use more church language, yeah. what your desire for your work to be in the world. You can connect that to the greater mission of God. It, you know, if you got if you're a Gen Z, sixteen year old, and you're really passionate about about Excel spreadsheets, like yeah, I mean, <laughs> God bless so many of you, those. right? Right. But I mean, our work in the world is deeply significant and Gen Z needs to know that. And they need to know that their their work when done in love and for the yeah. greater good of the world, it, that's part of being yeah. a, a part of God's mission as a part of the gospel and it's a beautiful thing. Wow. Uh, that's something that I'm excited about is in, is helping Gen Z to recognize that their their work and their passions, their talents, their, you know, all, everything from graphic design to you know TikTok or whatever <laughs> <laughs> can be used for the greater good of the world and for God's mission. Yeah, it sounds like if I were kind of to sum up what you were kind of sharing, it's that Gen Z is very action oriented. Mm-hmm. They want to know what the thing is that they need to do and how to move things forward. They don't just want to talk. They want to get their hands dirty. Am I reading that correctly? Yes. Somewhere it says, uh, faith without deeds is dead, right? Look at James. (laughs) Yeah. um, James chapter two, right? Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, faith without deeds is dead. And that's like the the marching cry. That's the marching cry of this generation. That's their theme verse. Yeah, that's their theme (laughs) verse, you know? So, which is exciting. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. So as we've been talking about grace and truth, and you're kind of, you know, in the trenches with Gen Z, what parts of grace and truth come naturally to people that are in this generation? What can we learn from them about these topics? Gen Z is a incredibly diverse generation. Mm-hmm. Different is expected. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, to grace, I mean, they are all about 
different and and uh, a diversity, which is an incredible thing. It's very um, accepting. That, yeah. So that plays itself out a lot in the uh, conversation around uh, gender and sexuality. So I was listening to a, um, a podcast recently of someone who has a, uh, a daughter who is Gen Z. And this daughter said to him, you know, if there's a choice between loving God and loving my gay friend, I'm going to choose loving my gay friend, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. And, you know, and, you know, I don't think that there's like a, oh, you have to choose between right. the two, obviously. Right. False dichotomy. Yeah, that's obviously a but they feel, false dichotomy. But, but to, a, to their point, they're feeling yeah. that in some ways Christianity has to, is pushing them into one to or pick. two of those extremes. Yeah. And they're trying to reconcile that. hmm yeah. Wow. Uh, now, truth is kind of interesting. So, uh, the uh, Gen Z's relationship with truth is uh, I, I, so. Uh, you know, in in Barna's research around Gen Z, is they say that like uh, almost uh, one in three Gen Z, so about thirty one percent, strongly agrees that morality changes over time in response mm. to society. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder, and this is just curiosity of like, how much is that that these kids have grown mm. up with the internet and a constant access to information and information that is constantly changing as opposed to like, hmm. you know, the three years it takes to create a book it takes yeah. two seconds to put together a web page. Yes. And it takes, you know, even less time to post, post something on, on social media on social media and YouTube, uh, which, yeah. and to that point, a lot of what they're learning <laughs> and also what they're teaching is coming from YouTube, yeah. TikTok, Instagram, whatever. Wow. Uh, These reputable sources of truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, also constantly changing. Yeah. And yeah. what is cool on each of those platforms or what platforms are popular are constantly changing around. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy to see the downside of it. But also the upside of it is you're seeing a generation that's like, you know, you got kids, you know, Posting, uh, you know, uh, they're they're teaching people via their YouTube yeah. channel. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, which is mind blowing. Yeah. Well, I think about you know she's a controversial figure in some circles, but like a Greta Thunberg, mm. who is like a global advocate for climate change. Yeah. at like sixteen years yeah. old, mm-hmm. and largely the platforms that she has used. And you can agree or disagree with whatever she's saying. The point is, is that this is the first time in a long time where a 16-year-old is traveling over the world advocating yeah. for an adult-type issue. Yeah. And that's what we're looking at. Those are peers of this generation. Yeah. For it's, better or for worse, yeah. they have access to platform and they're using it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. But back to the morality, the idea that yeah. morality is relative. Um, that's not a new idea. Mm-hmm. It's just become a popularized idea amongst mm-hmm. a younger generation. I think it's they're more okay with this ever-changing tide of morality and truth shifting in and out mm-hmm. than previous generations mm-hmm. were. Now I'm thinking about this as now I'm I'm like I'm in the sandwich, right? I'm in yes. the older generation and trying to have compassion and understanding for a generation that may think differently than me. Um, how do we navigate that tension? So listening equals love mm-hmm. for this generation. If we are just going to talk at them mm-hmm. and not listen to them and and really listen, not just like you know, listen so that we can respond, but active listen, you know, active listening, which is listen to understand. And wow. I mean, they're so misunderstood 
and they're they're craving to just be heard and for us to listen. So that's like step one yeah. is to listen to them, is, is to listen. And when they really sense that you're listening, that you care, that you're not listening to come back with an argument with a response, but that you're listening to understand them because you care, mm-hmm. that, that feels like love. Hmm. Well, and maybe putting together two things that you said of if this is indeed a generation that's very open to diversity, there should be as long as there's respect a space and a grace for hearing other opinions as long as we're listening. Am mm-hmm. I incorrect in that? Or is that kind of what you see yeah. in your work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wow. awesome. Um, what parts of grace and truth, like every generation has things that they naturally are good at. We've talked about some of the things mm-hmm. that Gen Z is naturally good at. It seems like grace comes really naturally for them. Maybe the truth is a little bit harder. Is there anything else in that realm of grace and truth that this, this upcoming generation may need a little more help with or may struggle a little bit more or have difficulties with? Yes. So this is a post-Christian generation mm. and also a, a generation that is um, that that doesn't really know the Bible and mm-hmm. know what's in the Bible. Uh, they, they're not really familiar with what it is. By what I mean by a post-Christian world is, so America has largely been, you know, deeply influenced by the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're about like 10 years behind Europe and um, in some cases, 20 years behind. So Europe we're seeing, well, we have seen is a deeply secularized uh, society where church has very, very little influence. Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing is we're kind of following in in those footsteps. And, and I'm not saying that as a way to like alarm because I think there's, uh, you know, there, there's always, there's always hope and, you know, the, sure. the church is not going away. Yeah. But um, so in generations past, it was, the expectation was, yeah, you go to church on mm-hmm. Sundays. Uh, now it's a little more, oh, you go to church on Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I would just say even beyond that, it's beyond like, that, you know, you yeah. don't even yeah. go to church. Maybe like the Christmas Easter, that was like the previous generation. Yeah. But and Pastor Brett yeah. talked about that in the last episode that we did of, you know, in the 50s, people were kind of one or two steps removed from living a Christian life just by nature of the culture that they lived mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Whereas now a lot of people don't grow up in that culture. And it's not that they're rejecting a Jesus that they've heard about. It's that yeah. they've never actually heard about him. Yeah. So uh, part of the growing up in a, a, a pro- post-Christian context and really not understanding the Bible, uh, Gen Z they uh, a really great way that we can help Gen Z is to help them understand what the Bible is. The Bible is not this uh, list, like a, a rule book that's mm-hmm. going yeah. to squash your fun. The Bible is this a collection of writings that point to this big story of God uh, redeeming all things through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they need to see that the Bible is this this great story that they get to play a part in. Uh, not that it has in like, a, oh, there's Revelation, then there's the the book of Alex, but rather like, <laughs> you know, the, they need, uh, and we all need to recognize that, that this story God is writing isn't done. Mm-hmm. And we get to play a part in what God is up to in the world for, for good, for healing. 
I, as you were talking, I was thinking about something, how um, kind of, I'm on the tail end of this as a millennial, but there was this sort of movement towards certainty in all realm of theology and the study of the Bible that um, we needed all the answers. And it seems to me, um, well, the more I dove into the Bible, the more I realized there was a lot of things I'll never know. Yeah, A lot of mystery mm-hmm. and uh, certain traditions held that much better. Certain generations did. And it seems like this younger generation is going to be able to sit in some of these unanswered questions yeah. potentially better than I would, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to be able to live in the mystery a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe less imperative to your own words that we try to get them thinking all the right doctrine and all the yeah. right ideas. Yeah. The, when I was in grad school, my I, I had a apologetics class mm-hmm. And my, the one thing that stood out from that class, my, my professor said, uh, there are three things that I've noticed that keep uh, reoccurring in, in those who walk away from their faith. And it is, uh, it, you know, this attitude of deep certainty in everything that they believed, you know, they're very black and white. Uh, they hold to a literal six-day creation very strongly, mm. and they are obsessive over apologetics. Mm. So what could it look like to to disciple students who can have a faith in, in the gray, in the mystery, in the uncertainty? Yeah. Because guess what? Because of the internet and, you know, you can like, you know, you can have a belief and then find within two seconds a, a counter argument to that belief. We need to build a uh, we need to develop a generation with a resilient faith that can that can navigate the gray. Wow. Yeah, being navigate able to with live Jesus in, in the gray. Yeah. Yes. Which it sounds like this generation, to Alex's point, has some more natural skills at that yeah. as opposed to the more black and white thinking of yeah. like the more modern yeah. way. But And that's yeah. such a biblical concept too of like mm-hmm. even God's own character of being three and being one mm-hmm. and like we can't, black and white mm-hmm. say like, this is how this works. We just have to kind of live in yeah. that mystery and have that faith. And it sounds like that's something that we can learn yeah. from. I'm going to say something that may be a little bit uh, controversial, but if you have, <laughs> if, if you have complaints about this, uh, email is alessler at gforcher.org. Okay. Probably the best way to turn this generation off from the faith is certainty. Black and white thinking with everything. If you're not willing to hold a humble posture, mm. even with like, you know, with your own beliefs, uh, that's going to turn this generation off. And uh, if if we're not willing to, to lean into mystery, lean into tension, uh, it, we're going to turn this generation off. That's in so many good. Ways. I, I think about, you know, as you say that, the reality for, <laughs> this is exactly why we're talking about this, because the fact that some people could be offended or upset at that statement um, speaks to our need for certainty, yeah. like so much so that it can almost become idolatry. Yep. Jesus, uh, he revealed the will of the Father over time. He mm-hmm. walked with his disciples relationally. He, he didn't tell them everything that they needed to know right in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so in a way you're inviting us to treat this generation the way that we see Jesus treated his disciples. Mm -hmm. He was patient, he listened, and he taught them over time in the context of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So don't email me. No, I just- (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say, and there's also a difference between 
like a moral relativism of not holding anything to be true and holding everything so loosely that you actually don't have any beliefs and having what you're talking about, which is a very humble attitude in what you're believing and kind of something that Brad talked about Mm -hmm. in the last one of holding our beliefs really loosely and always presenting them to Jesus and being like, what do you actually think about this? Of Mm -hmm. having some things that we do hold on to, but for all of them, we hold them with everything in our lives with open hands to God, what what do you want me to do with this? 100%. I mean, AJ Swoboda just came out with a book about about doubt. And he he basically says- He's coming next week. And he's coming next week, which <laughs> he's is on amazing. The so he's, next week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and he talks about how uh, doubt and following Jesus aren't like, aren't oh, right, antithetical. Yeah. It's yeah. not like unbelief and belief. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he talks, he, he yeah, talks about the, the story of Thomas when he, you know, he had been walking with Jesus for three years. Jesus dies, resurrected. And Thomas is still like, I, I, I'm having trouble believing this. Right. Mm-hmm. You can be a Christian. You can follow Jesus faithfully and still have doubts. Mm-hmm. The key is walking with Jesus through your doubts. Yeah. So we've talked about a couple different ideas about this generation. One is that they're purpose-driven. Yeah. <laughs> that no, not trying, to, not trying to plug a book or anything, but <laughs> they are driven by vocation and a vision of that vocation working out in the world. Yes. And then um, also that they tend to be um, uh, more okay in gray, more okay in tension, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. less okay with absolute dogmatic certainty. But I want to circle back to something in the earlier part of our conversation about them being driven. Mm-hmm. I recently saw um, a commercial at the halftime of a Blazer game or something like that, where they were talking about um, all the stereotypes that are coming against Gen Z. And then they respond like, well, I stopped a terrorist attack around the world. Or I, they, they list all mm. these things that they've accomplished mm. as Gen Z. And it's like highlighting and promoting this younger generation, which I actually think is cool. But there's a dark side to that, right? Yeah. There's a dark side to being so driven um, and I, I guess I would like to hear from you a little bit about how you see that play out and what mm-hmm. can, what can we do about that? And here is yet another gospel opportunity. Uh, just as, you know, because they are driven and connecting their uh, ambitions to like a greater vocation of uh, partnering with God and healing of all things. Also, there is a, a gospel opportunity in the the message of Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy mm-hmm. laden, and I will give you rest. You know, when we, Gen Z, the big thing that they need to know is their identity uh, does not have to be in their accomplishments and how much money they make and their success. The, the gospel offers us identity in Jesus. It offers us this identity of being beloved children of God hmm. before we even do anything. Yeah. That is a message that they need to hear as they are preparing for college, as they are under this pressure to get into the best schools, mm-hmm. as they're uh, seeing their friends accomplish so many amazing things on YouTube because they have like 10,000 subscribers. And, you know, so the comparison game, that's just mm-hmm. such a struggle. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, Alex, the dark side of this, like mm-hmm. drive this ambition, uh, there is a dark side. Mm-hmm. The, a lot of I've heard a lot of like anxiety and depression levels, particularly with high school roof. college students, are yeah astronomical at this point. And so, how how sweet is the message of Jesus? Yeah, mm-hmm. how good is the gospel that you know this generation? 
can can hear and cling to. <laughs> it's interesting because as we're talking about this generation that's good with sort of living in the gray and the tension and that yet they're driven at the same time, you know, uh, you would think that being good at living in uncertainty would actually have your anxiety levels decrease, not increase. <laughs> you know what I mean? Surprisingly like, not so, apparently. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, that's one of the things that as some of the older generations walked through a little bit more life, one of the ways we can serve them and help them understand is you can hide good qualities in bad habits all yep. the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's important just to recognize, again, not to come out a younger generation with— you know, the stick of discipline as much as it is compassion and recognizing that like, this is a great quality. I believe that this generation, my daughter in this generation is looking at the world going, you guys messed a lot of stuff up and we want to fix it. Yeah. And I believe that they might be able to fix some of it. Yeah. But I also can see how they could get themselves wildly out of control. And so I want to help foster that. And I hear that's what you're saying too. Yeah. I mean, they are uh, like the the John Mayer song "Waiting on the World to Change." Uh, that that <laughs> lyric, back. you know, yeah. Um, so you know, if that that song was like a, uh, all about, hey, you know, we see how messed up the world is, but hey, we're just gonna keep waiting on the world to change. Uh, Gen Z is like, nah. We're not about that. No We're waiting not waiting. For us. No we waiting for us. We grew up with the internet. We don't know what waiting. Yeah, is. I, you know, I, I can uh, start my business right now from yeah. from this device in my pocket. I can, you know, start this movement or whatever um, just from my social media, from my YouTube page, and uh, it, so I mean, there's there's the good side to that. There's also the the dark side of that, and the the, the drivenness and the potential for for burnout. I mean, you know, there. Uh, so when you look at their heroes, I think like one of the top heroes that Gen Z looks up to is uh, Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. And the dude works 100 plus hours a week and brags about it. And so when that right. is set as the, that's the hero, that's the standard, mm-hmm. man, the pressure these right. kids are under. Yeah, or even a lot of the like social media influencers where it's like every minute of every day of their lives is their job, is right. it's on display all the time. Mm-hmm. And that just sounds exhausting. Well, and how quickly your life isn't lived, it's acted. Right. And the persona that you carry to the world through these digital platforms is not really who you are, which again is where depression sinks in. It's, yeah, you're playing a character all the time. And when you're doing that at 12, 13, 14 years old, how do you ever turn it off? Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenge. Yeah. So thinking through, um, David would love to know just some practical things of if somebody's listening to this podcast and whether they have a middle school student in their life or not, or a high school student or an other Gen Z person, um, what are some <laughs> six year old in Alex's case? Yeah. Um, what are some practical ways that the church as individuals and or corporately can support Gen Z? Well, first off, uh, we need to see Gen Z not as the future of the church. They are are the church right now. Wow. Those who follow Jesus, they are just as much part of the church as, you know, those of us who have been in it for years, decades. So that being said, we need to be in their corner Mm -hmm. uh, cheering them on. Ways that we can do that is mentors. And by mentors, I'm not saying like, you know, oh, hey, go find a a, a high school. Just go pick up any random Gen Z person. Even like our, you know, <laughs> when I think of mentor, I often think of like, oh, I'm going to learn from this 
person. We're going to meet for coffee every other week. And it's very structured. Like, okay, I've got my list of questions and all of that. (laughs) Gen Z needs, uh, and I think we all need mentors who are just like in our lives that we can observe and look for. Yeah, yeah, look to, you know. So if you have a, 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 like a a middle schooler, high schooler, college student, you know, elementary schooler in your home or actually not even in your home. If you even know of one, guess what? (laughs) Welcome to youth ministry. You are a mentor. You have the opportunity to shape the next generation. David has just deputized you. Yeah. Yep. Welcome aboard. You are now part of youth ministry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But um, so, you know, and in the youth ministry world, we often, we, you know, often think, oh, we need uh, volunteers to invest in students, which we do. But, um, but you know, the we need like one volunteer to invest in five students, and that's been kind of the model in youth ministry world for some time. Until recently, there the conversation has shifted to, hey, actually, we need to flip this. Every student needs five adults to speak into their lives. Every student needs five adults speaking into their faith. So whether you are a teacher, a a coach, a aunt, uncle, neighbor, you have a part to play in the faith development of of these kids. And I mean, imagine if, if our church, all of us stacked hands and said, hey, this generation matters and we are not going to let them uh, turn away from the faith. We are not uh, going to let them be primarily discipled by the world. We want them to be discipled by Jesus, and we have a part to play in that. So, if you are interested in volunteering for the middle <laughs> school ministry, uh, that's D Beavis B E A V I S. We so will put your email church. Okay. in the show notes so that people, if people Sweet. have questions or if they want to reach out and that's something they're interested in, they can mm-hmm. get in contact with you. Yeah. And I, and and that goes into my uh, uh, next thing that we can do to uh, to practice practically um, and proactively support this generation is uh, we need to empower them. They are a generation, like I said earlier, They're clearly go getters. Yeah, they are not. They are not content with a faith that involves sitting in the pews and just don't cuss, and mm. that's it. Yeah, what could it look like to? see them not as problems, but as partners in the greater mission of God mm. that we can come alongside, support, mentor, but most importantly, empower. Uh, what could it look like to empower this generation to be the hands of and feet of Jesus wherever they are, to teach us, you know, they are a tech savvy generation. What could we learn from them? Uh, so we need to to empower this generation in this in this a uh, kingdom of God movement that we are a part of. Yeah, and it sounds like you and Before Youth have some, have an event coming up where that's kind of exactly what you want to do. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So we are doing something uh, unique. We are um, building this from the ground up, and we are beyond excited for what this could could be. Uh, it's called Youth for the City. We have the high school youth for the city, uh, July 23rd to the 26th. That's going to be a, a Friday to a, a Monday. And then middle school is a July 30th to August 2nd. And so this is, uh, this is our way of, of blending um, 
elements of, of camp, a student conference, and a serve experience all together. Because we want the, the focus of this extended weekend experience to be about serving the city. Hmm. And Sounds like it's right up this generation's alley. Yeah. yeah you know exactly what they want that experience yeah. to be. I mean, I'm just imagining, it, you know, 10 years from now, a student who went to, you know, was a part of Youth for the City, looking back and, and, uh, and you know, looking back on their faith development and seeing that being an integral part of their experience. You know, how cool would it be if they looked back and they're like, man, my church loved our city mm-hmm. and we served our city. So we're, uh, we're creating this uh, experience and um, uh, we're setting up opportunities for students to serve together in teams, to be a blessing to, to you know, our city, to, you know, the surrounding areas, um, everything from packing food boxes to picking up trash to, you know, helping an elderly person's home or whatever. We are trying to, um, you know, our, our, our dream is that this is an experience that uh, is a, a taste and see moment for every student. Taste and see what life is like when you are partnering with God and his mission in the world. I think what's so cool about this is that um, recently our city leaders actually reached out to the faith community and said, can you please help us um, clean up our city? Can you help Mm -hmm. us like bring life back to the city? Again, our city government leaders reached out to the broader faith community. Wow. And what's so cool is that our young people are answering the call. Wow. Mm -hmm. You guys are helping them respond to the, the need that 50, 60, 70 year old mm-hmm. people in our city are saying, can you please help us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah, yeah. We're excited. So obviously if you have a middle school or high school student, you could sign them up for this awesome event. If you do, or if you don't, what are some other ways that our church can support youth for the city in the coming weeks as you guys are preparing? Well, obviously, um, uh, you know, be, be praying for us. Uh, that's, you know, yeah. Always helpful. <laughs> That's, you know, that is step number one. Um, if, if something is stirring in you where you're like, man, I want to be a part of uh, uh, of that, we would love to have you volunteer. Um, we've, we're going to have a variety of uh, roles um, when it comes to volunteering. The main one that we're going to be needing is uh, volunteers who will be with a, a team of students and have, you know, different projects that, they do. And, you know, I, I just think of how cool would it be to be working with students alongside them mm-hmm. and talking with them as you're doing this, like, you know, painting a fence or cleaning up trash or uh, serving uh, people experiencing homelessness. You know, I, I mean, how cool will that be? So uh, if you are interested, please uh, let us know. We would love for you to be a part of Youth for the City, whether it's high school or middle school. We need folks that, who are passionate about Jesus and you know, and also like students. And the <laughs> second one like is- don't like students, don't come, yeah. please. Well, the second one is negotiable. So. <laughs> <laughs> we can work with that. Yeah. Yeah, if that's something that you're interested in, again, we'll have David's email address in the show notes. You can reach out to him and he can put you in contact with youth team and let you know a little bit more information about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else that we can do to support Youth for the City? If I'm not able to volunteer besides prayer, is there anything else? Uh, I mean, uh, Man, 
I could do with some coffee every morning. Yeah, just bring me coffee. Yeah. Um, now, if you know students or you know families who aren't a part of the B4 community, uh, but you think this could be a, a great experience for their Gen Z year, please, we we want as many students as possible being a part of this. So and, you don't have to be a part of B4 on a regular basis. Oh, of course not. Imagine... Uh, if a student's first experience of church mm-hmm. was being a part of blessing the city through acts of service and love. Yeah. yeah. What testament would that be to yeah. that student about what it means to be a follower of Jesus? And I mean, with Gen Z really seeking to, uh, seeking meaning uh, for something bigger than themselves for, for the greater good of the planet and humanity. Man, that's a, that's a, that's good news expressed. Yeah. So good, man. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely, like, seriously, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for your contribution to this conversation beyond Youth for the City, giving mm-hmm. us and even those listening a glimpse into the heart of a young generation. Hopefully mm-hmm. that leads us away from the things that divide us and move us yeah. towards mm-hmm. compassion and love for one another, that we could mutually build each other up. Um, we're going to have you back. Sweet. Yeah. We're going to have you. We want to hear how Youth yeah. for the City goes. So we're yeah. planning on doing some sort of follow-up episode. Amazing. After it happens. So yeah. Hopefully we'll hear from some of the students themselves. So today we actually have a question from our good friend, Bob, and his wife, Annette Barkma. Um, hi, guys. We hey know guys. you guys listen. We, lo- we love that you love us. Um, so his question <laughs> is this. We live in a culture that doesn't have a king. As a matter of fact, depending on whomever is in the Oval Office, you either have some level of respect and possibly admiration or total disdain. So given that we in the U.S. have really no concept of kingship, how do we wrap our heads and ultimately our hearts around the concept of Jesus as king? Well, hey, Bob and Annette, thank you for this question. It's a really good one. And um, there is no, honestly, no like easy way to answer this. So I'm going to try to be as succinct as possible. Yes. Um, We'll do our best in a short period of time. We'll do our best in a short period of time. So one of the things uh, latent in this question is a metaphor, Jesus as king. So uh, the New Testament uses a lot of metaphors for Jesus, actually. King, high priest, Messiah, as some of them. These are titles, but they're also metaphors. Yeah, and one another one that's used is father. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have a similar issue sometimes with that one of if you grew up and you didn't have a great relationship with your father, you had an abusive father, that metaphor can be difficult and it can yeah. take you a little more time to work in your head and in your heart how that metaphor applies to you and how that affects your view of God. Yeah. So I think it doesn't matter what the metaphor is. We're always going to have to do a little bit of work on it. Sure. And so this one of King is no different that we might have to take a little time yeah. and put ourselves in the position of somebody in the Bible times of what would this have meant for them. And that doesn't take away the beauty of the metaphor. It just right. means that we have to do a little more work on it. Right. And and each of these metaphors are also titles. And so they right. are realities. So when we say that Jesus is King, that means something for us. Right. That means that as Christians, our allegiance is to Jesus that also means that if he's a king, he has a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so that means that uh, his kingdom and his words is not of this world. Right. Um, it's, it, and in the words of Paul, us who are followers of Jesus in Philippians, he says, we live in a colony of heaven on earth. So we are a part of his kingdom. He is our king, which means that we in some way, shape or form 
are foreigners to this weird, strange land called Earth. Mm -hmm. Um, We're citizens in it. We have this dual citizenship. And so we um, have a propensity as humans to look towards other human beings as leaders. Mm -hmm. We call them emperors, kings, princes. CEOs. CEOs, princesses, queens. uh, Celebrities. Yes, all All those things. things. So um, that idea, whether or not we're talking about a king, an emperor, or a president, the same idea is that there is leadership, Mm -hmm. a headship, someone that's leading us. Someone who we want to emulate and that we owe our allegiance to. Right. And I think one of the things that Gospels invites us into is to recognize that every single kingdom of this world has, um, in varying degrees, contrary um, elements to it from the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is the prime example of what it looks like to be led by someone. Yeah, I think in general, the idea of king, whether we've lived under one or not, we know we can understand the concept of allegiance. And I think that's kind of what Mm. that metaphor is ultimately getting at. So that's just a cursory answer off the top of Alex and Meyer's heads. Uh, We could probably do an entire podcast episode on all the implications of some of those different metaphors and what they mean. Maybe we'll do that in the future. Um, but that's what we got for you guys today. Um, if you have a question that you would like us to try to tackle, you can feel free to send that to us. The email address on that is podcasts at b4church.org. And we will also have a link to that email address in the show notes for you if you want to send something to us. And it's also listed on our website um, as well if you're looking to send us something. Thank you all for joining us today. We're glad to have David as our guest. We hope you enjoyed hearing from him and a little bit about Gen Z. Feel free to share this episode, especially if you have a Gen Zer in your life. Maybe have them listen to it. And do you resonate with this? Is this true? What about this would be helpful as we're in relationship with each other? Um, We would be more than pleased if you would subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. We are having AJ Swoboda come on next week, so you won't want to miss that one. He's going to be on talking about his book, After Doubt, and I'm sure it's going to be a great conversation. Um, So make sure you're subscribed on either YouTube, YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify so you don't miss that episode when it comes out, and we will see you next week. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit b4church.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can even take a screenshot and share it on social media if you like. Tag us at B4Church. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.